I'm Carmina Constantino. Dateline Philippines begins right now. Thanks for joining us. To those of you watching us on Facebook, thanks for joining us as well. The Philippines' largest island, Luzon, now under a state of calamity. President Rodrigo Duterte made that decision after a string of typhoons devastated Luzon. Duterte heeded the proposal of the country's top disaster agency after Typhoon Ulysses left at least 73 people dead and triggered the worst flooding in Cagayan region in decades. Now, uh... Itong uh, Secretary Lorenzana mentioned about the repair of evacuation centers. Yan nga ang sanang uh, tugunan ng uh, Congress, Bong. Kasi pagka itong ganitong deludes, uh, they tend to go to places for uh, shelter and relief. Alam mo, uh, it is high time that government consider really, of course, uh, in, in uh, the government units facing the Pacific Ocean. Gamit na gamit ito. Na we build strong structure stronger than uh, a typhoon uh, that would come their way para mapuntahan ng mga tao uh, and uh, maybe small rooms uh, with many uh, comfort rooms where people can really uh, stay for a while. The president also defending himself from criticisms of government's allegedly delayed typhoon relief response. Gusto ninyong palabas na tutulog. Kung ordinary times, walang emergency, walang typhoon. I told you right in the beginning of my term, I am a night person. My day starts at 2 o'clock in Malacanian. Sabi ko kasi binabasa ko lahat yung dokumento. Hindi basta-basta yung dumadating sa akin, bulto-bulto yan. Well, before addressing Filipinos on the typhoon and COVID-19 situation in the country, President Duterte threw yet another fit at Vice President Lenny Robredo. In a lengthy rant, Duterte called Robredo a liar, accusing her of making the public think he was missing in action when Typhoon Ulysses hit the country. She practically lied, uh, making her incapable of truth. Yung pakana niya na wala ako sa bagyo. I was here. Dito, I was attending a summit, ASEAN summit yun. So virtual lang, palit-palit kami. We were talking sa electronic. Nandito ako noon. At the same time, I, I would uh, go whisper to the military guys in the room of how how was it developing and what was the reaction of our uh, 
government people there and the resources. Hindi mo na kailangan orderin yan sila. Kasi two days before, deployed na yan sila doon po. Duterte also made lewd remarks about the vice president questioning where she has been spending her nights recently. On Twitter, Robredo dismissed such comments as misogynistic. What time did you go home? Ikaw, nung gabi, anong oras ka umuwi? Isang bahay ka lang ba? Dalawang bahay ka? Tatanong lang ako. Kay congressman ka. Ba't kaninong bahay ka natagalan? The hashtags Duterte Meltdown and Siraan Ang Pangulo or The President Has Gone Crazy quickly topped Twitter trends after Duterte's rant. Now, Philippine Vice President Lenny Robredo hits back at President Duterte's barbs. Robredo insists she never asked where Duterte was at the height of the typhoon. The Vice President also denied she is ordering the military around in her efforts to help typhoon victims. The military has denied receiving any orders from the vice president on their disaster response, while the PNP says it is always ready to accept instructions from higher offices as long as these serve the best interests of the public. Meanwhile, Robredo also cautioned Duterte on being fed false information. The vice president called out Duterte's chief legal counsel, Salvador Panelo, for spreading fake information about her relief efforts. Aside from picking a fight with the vice president, President Duterte also slammed students of the University of the Philippines over a planned academic strike. UP students, as well as those from the Ateneo de Manila University, are calling for an academic strike in protest of government's supposed incompetence in dealing with the pandemic and recent calamities. Duterte dared the UP students to push through with a protest. He also red-tagged the country's state university. Pag hinto kayo ng aral, I will uh, 
stop the funding. Nandiyan niya lang, wala ka nang ginawa itong ano, kundi mag-recruit ng mga komunista dyan. Tapos nag-aaral kayo, ang gusto ninyong binabira, ang gobyerno. Masyado naman nakaswerte kayo. Huwag talaga kayong matakot, manakot rather. Kasi I will oblige you. I suggest to you, stop schooling until mabakunahan lahat ng Pilipino. You resume your duty. And you wait for another typhoon and see if the help that we extend is enough to your satisfaction. Let's get the latest now on the situation in typhoon-ravaged Alcala, Cagayan. We're going to speak now to Mayor Cristina Antonio. Mayor Antonio, thank you for joining us today. Welcome to the program. Thank you for having me, Carmina. Good afternoon. All right. You know, we just ran the report of our colleague Jeff Canoy there, and something really struck me. Every time they interview, you know, your constituents, they put up a brave face, you know. But then when they hear their words, when they hear for themselves, when they hear their voices about how they're really feeling, that's when they break down, and that's when tears start to 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 fall. Uh, let me ask you, how have you been dealing um, with this kind of a situation? Because you yourself see this time and again as, as, as Alcada tries to pick up the pieces. As mayor of our town, Alcala, I have to steal myself. I have to show everyone that um, there is a system in place and that our LGU is doing its very best to to help our people face this uh, terrible crisis. Um, of course, I am but human. It is difficult for me. Um, I, I love our people. We love the people of Alcala. But um, again, there is, there is um, an important work ahead of us. We have to, to um, strengthen the resolve to reach out to everyone. There is no time for sentiment at this point. Um, there are so many things that um, need to be done, and it's a matter of um, prioritizing um, those um, uh, the tasks ahead of us. And the priority now is to make sure that um, the evacuees are able to go home to whatever left of their houses, to make sure that there is relief that um, that goes to them as we we um, clear the debris and as we help them build their houses again, it's consolidating data so that we are able to amplify the need for not just relief, but um, uh, the measures that the, uh, and the help that we need for the recovery of our people. And um, speaking of data, the, the damage is terrible. Hmm. Um, the damage to crops and livestock um, has amounted to 52 million. Uh, we have not been able to account yet for the number of houses partially and totally damaged because we are in the process of clearing the inner roads and we, we are also um, focused on making sure that the donations that the LG receives um, are well accounted for mm. and uh, listed down properly and mayor, making sure that they're yes yeah yes, mayor antonio 
you know, we look at the pictures and we hear your description. The devastation still is unimaginable. But here's the yes. thing. Almost the same time last year, Alcala already experienced the so-called 100-year floods, even exactly. without a storm signal. Did anything prepare you for an even more devastating calamity, not even a year after? We prepared. There are protocols in place. In fact, even before all this happened, even before the release of Magat Dam, of water, as early as Tuesday last week, that's um, November 10, we already convened our Municipal Disaster Risk um, Reduction Management uh, Council mm -hmm. because looking out the window, looking at the, the Cagayan River, at that time it was swollen already. We were on alert already. And um, the river was swollen even before the release of water by Magat because of the three typhoons that hit the central Luzon. Mm -hmm. And um, knowing the unique, unique situation of our town, we knew what was coming, but it did not, not prepare us. We were not prepared. We experienced this same flood last year, December, mm. uh, this 100-year uh, flood, which is a flood that um, has a probability of happening of only 1% per year. So um, we were prepared because of the protocols, and we, we followed the protocol. but. With the with the rise of the water and the devastation, it's different when you're actually faced with the magnitude of it. Mayor, you're saying though that science has laid a path before you and your constituents, yes. with the, with the help of one of the country's top scientists, Dr. Fernando Siringan, and, and you were in the middle of implementing changes when Ulysses hit. Tell us about your insights from what you learned from Dr. Siringan and what Ulysses has taught you. My main takeaway is that uh, this problem of flooding here in Alcala and the Cagayan Valley region is a complex problem. It cannot be um, attributed to just one cause, like for example, the release of Magat Bay water, but by a confluence of factors and the situatedness also of Alcala and um, how the Cagayan River flows through, through uh, the Cagayan Valley region. Um, the problem is of flooding, particularly here in Alcala, is, um, is because, one, from a width of 400 meters, the Cagayan River constricts to just 180 meters. Mm -hmm. So the, the analogy of uh, Dr. Seringan is that it's like EDSA, and you have six lanes, and then suddenly you only have two lanes. Uh, well, here in, in this point of uh, Cagayan, here in Alcala, and so, of course, when there is water released, not just in Magan, but everywhere, uh, when there's water coming from from um, the Sierra Madres and uh, uh, water from the typhoons, the rainfall from from uh, even as far as Central Luzon, mm -hmm. all this water will stagnate here in our town because of that point of constriction. Mm -hmm. uh, the other factor here in Alcala is that um, uh, this is uh, this, this here in Alcala, two rivers meet. Uh, the Pared River, which is tributary of the Cagayan River. This river comes from Sierra Madre, uh, from Bagdao Town. And so when you have two rivers meeting, at this confluence, there is backflow. At this confluence, the water level naturally rises. 
And of course, this um, increase in water level is compounded when water comes from everywhere. Right. Uh, and and um, th there is simultaneous uh, um, occurrence of all these things, all these factors. Mm. So that's why, Carmina, if you if you notice, if you look at the flood map, um, all the water is here in Alcala and upstream. Right. But beyond Alcala, going to Apari, where the Cagayan River empties into the sea, there is no flood. Mm. Because precisely of this bottleneck here in Alcala. But it's not just that. Uh, because um, as I have mentioned, water comes from everywhere, not just from Maga. It's not just the overflow of, of the Cagayan River. Because here in Alcala town, out of the 25 barangays, uh, 24 were flooded. Mm. Not all of these 24 barangays are along the Cagayan River. There are inner barangays at the foot of the Sierra Madre mm. mountains, and yet they also experience flooding from the waterways, from soil water mixed with soil coming from the mountains. Mm. So, as pointed out by the study of Dr. Serena, it's also the the agricultural practices uh, not just here in Alcala town but all over because some um, our our farmers have um, have cultivated even our slopes and mountains and uh, and um, planted um, these slopes and mountains with yellow corn mm -hmm. and with this particular kind of uh, farming Carmina there is need for the use of herbicide and with herbicide all the vegetation is killed. So, so the point being, when there is water coming from from um, the heavens and from typhoon, and there, water hits the ground, there's no root system to contain um, the water to hold it all together um, because of the practice that you said. Uh, finally, um, Doctor, um, I'm sorry, Mayor Antonio, and I'm, I'm really sorry to cut this because you're telling us yes. we're running out of time. Finally, there is this call for a climate emergency to be de declared. As you know, this call is not new. It's been an appeal for quite some time now. Now, given that we're one of the most vulnerable nations when it comes to climate change, and given that your town is a recipient um, of, of, of the effects of climate change as well, um, aside from the confluence of, 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 of factors that you just mentioned. How do you think will the declaration of a climate emergency um, help communities like Alcala? It would greatly help the people because I think people know that there is, there is a crisis. There is a crisis in climate change, but the call is important because it would really mobilize ordinary citizens. Um, we need to act. Um, when there is a call, the urgency is um, driven home. And uh, and I think that if we, we face it together, if um, there is awareness and uh, there is amplification of this call through by, by making this call, this emergency call, then um, it would help us to move forward to do the things that we need to do. The combination of interventions that um, um, needs to be done based on sound science. Mm. Uh, yes, we need to act. 
we have to heed the, the, the emergency call, but we have to be careful as well so that um, our action really address would address the, the problem at its root and Alcala. it would not exacerbate problem. Mayor Christina Antonio, we appreciate you taking time out to, to join us today. Um, we are here for you um, and we Thank will continue so to be there for your uh, community as well. Thank you for joining us and you keep safe. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Right before we go, some sports action. The NBA's offseason continues to get crazier as teams scramble to improve their rosters a month before the new season begins. The latest to make a big splash in the trade market, the Milwaukee Bucks. The Bucks have a new backcourt in J. Rue Holiday and Bogdan Bogdanovich. Milwaukee will acquire Holiday in a trade with the New Orleans Pelicans in exchange for points guard Eric Bledsoe and George Hill and three first-round picks. As for the sharpshooting Bogdanovich, Milwaukee had to give up promising guard Dante DiVincenzo, DJ Wilson and Irsan Ilyasova to the Sacramento Kings. The Bucks are facing tremendous pressure to improve their roster to convince their two-time reigning MVP Giannis Antetokounmpo to sign a contract extension after the title quest fell short once again last season. And that'll do it for today. Thank you for joining us. I'm Carmina Constantino. If you want to revisit today's episode, Dateline Philippines podcast is on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Play back the interviews, too, on ANC's YouTube channel. Keep safe, everyone. Keep it here on ANC.